Welcome to another edition of Towards the Mark with your host, Robert White, which is me. Um, I think we're on episode 5 now, um, episode 3 of our Romans study. Today we're going to be in chapter 4 of the book of Romans. We finished up chapter 3 last week. Um, I think I'm going to start posting. I think the Lord's kind of pushing me to post more than once a week. Um, just because I have a lot of thoughts and things that rattle around in my head when I study um, and I don't really have an outlet at the moment to get those out as much as I want to. Um, so I think the Lord's kind of pushing me to do that more often so I can get those thoughts out. And But listen, um, please go follow us on Instagram at toward underscore the underscore mark 314. And email us at towardthemark3 um, at gmail.com. Both those links will be in the description of this video so you can just click on them. It'll be easy. Um... The email is there for, listen, I've said it before, I'm not a theologian, I'm not a Bible scholar. If I say something wrong, if, if you have a different perspective, I want to know those things. I want to be told if I make a mistake, so this way I can correct it, and if you have a different perspective, because maybe maybe you can enlighten me a little bit. Um, I will say the Lord blessed us this week, and I'll tell you how. Um, we got our very first listener from the UK on our last video. Um, and I'm thinking he might have went back, he or she might have went back through and watched and li or listened to all of our other podcasts. Um, when I opened up um, our thing this week and I saw that we had a listener in the UK, I was ecstatic, man. The Lord really is using this um, to reach even someone overseas, and I'm super happy about that. So to that individual, thank you for listening. I hope you genuinely enjoy. Please pass this along. Um, let's fill the UK with the spirit. Um so genuinely, thank you. Um, one thing I started doing this week was I started writing some devotions. I don't do them every single day. Um, I just kind of do it as the Lord passes them along to me. And I've been posting those on our Instagram. They're not done every day. I don't post every single day with these devotions. But I've posted three of them this week alone. Um, listen, this week was a bad week for me. It was really rough. Um, the Lord took someone from me, took the single most important person ever in my life from me this week. And... I'm not a very emotional guy, but I got to tell you, I broke down a couple times. Um, it was a tough one for me. Even just talking about it right now kind of tears me up. But I don't want to read all these devotionals um, simply because I'd like for you guys to go read them yourself on Instagram. But I do want to read this one. Um, I got the call, I think, t Tuesday or Wednesday. Wednesday, maybe. Got the call at about 3 o'clock in the morning on Wednesday that we kind of all had to start showing up and saying our goodbyes. And my two sisters were already there. So my sister called me and I, and I, show, I was the first one to show up. I got there at like 3.30 in the morning-ish. And I was the only one there for a while. I mean, my sisters were there, but I was, I was they were focusing on, on other stuff. But I was pretty much the only one there in the little um, sitting area for a while. And so I sat there and I was reading my Bible and I was praying. And I thought, man, I'll just really use this moment to to uh, make my, my center focal point of today on the Lord. Um, so this way, knowing that tragedy is inevitable, um, that when it does happen, he is my focal point um, so that I don't, so that my flesh doesn't break down and become the deteriorated mess mentally. Um, and I really built the Lord up that day. And the Lord gave me this. And I know I talked about it a little bit before, but this is the devotional I posted that day because it's something the Lord gave to me that day. Today I want to talk about rejoicing in our suffering. 
It is no secret that we as people go through a ton of suffering, from significant others cheating, friends betraying us, financial struggle, your church family not displaying Christ in their actions, etc. The Bible, Paul especially, makes it very clear what we are supposed to do during these times. Rejoice! I know that's easier said than done, but Paul says in James 1-2 that we should consider our trials as moments of joy. How do you do that, you ask? By simply relying on Christ. 1 Peter 5-6 says to cast your anxiety onto Christ because he cares for you. Matthew 6.26 says that the sparrow does nothing for itself, but yet God still cares enough to feed it. If he cares that much for the sparrow, how much more does he care for you? Acts 5.41 tells of how the disciples rejoiced after being beaten in the name of Christ. The court gave them a strict order not to preach the name of Christ anymore, and they refused to stop. So the court beat them, and they rejoiced. The Bible says they rejoiced because they were so happy that they could be beaten in Christ's honor. Now you say, that's awesome, I understand, I should rejoice in my trial, but how and why? Romans 8.18 gives us our answer. Paul tells us that our suffering here on earth isn't even close to the joy and glory awaiting us one day. So remember, thank God, even in the bad times, because he hasn't forgotten you. And one day he will show you the thing you've all been striving for that will make all this suffering worth it. Um, that was something that, that the Lord gave me when I was sitting there, um on Tuesday, Wednesday morning, I think, at you know, 3 in the morning. And it really helped me. I really was able to, to focus myself around Christ. And when tragedy did inevitably strike later on that day, I was able to, to really focus in on the Lord because I'd made Him my center focal point of the day, knowing that I needed to be shielded with Him. Um, and so when the tragedy did strike, it wasn't as bad as it probably would have been had I been going through that a year ago. I'm going into a lot of battles without Christ by my side and my my spiritual walk just being deteriorated and garbage. But um, today I was really able to to shield myself from that. And so, um, you know, I really appreciate that. And I thank him so much for that. Um, today we're going to do a little bit of a change up when reading. Today I'm going to read out of the ESV and I'm going to explain why. The English Standard Version to me is my favorite current translation um i have nothing against the king james version i grew up in a king james only church um the king james only is actually credited as being one of the most influential books in english history and i believe that it owns its place in the english language and i believe it it it, it deserves all the credit for everything it did i just think that the english standard version is a much easier translation for modern english speakers to read um, i've done some studying on it i don't find an issue with it I do want to admit something I was doing, though. Um, I know that I have some King James-only listeners. And so, for my first couple podcasts, I referred only solely on the King James Version. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, but today, I recorded this podcast once. And as I was recording it and reading out of the King James Version, a conviction hit me that said I was using the King James Version because I was afraid of the stance I have taken in Christ and the freedom that Christ has given me to allow me to be comfortable using the English Standard Version. And so because of this fear that I would be rejected, ridiculed, condemned, um, I, I really just would only rely on the King James Version. And I don't think there's anything wrong with the King James Version. If you are a King James individual, great. Um, I'm a King James person too. My Bible, my physical Bible is a King James Bible. Um, 
the individual that just passed away the other day, the only thing I asked for was their King James Bible. Um, I don't own a physical copy of anything other than the King James Bible, so I don't think there's anything wrong with it. However, um, just for me personally, when studying and reading the scripture, I use the English Standard Version. And so um, today I want to use that. Um, I want to use that English Standard Version because I, I realized my condemnation... The feeling of condemnation was not coming from Christ because Paul tells us that now there is no condemnation through Christ. Um, that Christ has given me the freedom as an individual to feel comfortable reading out the ESV. I will say though, if you are a if you are a newer Christian, if you're just getting into it, um, I do suggest you do studying. Um, as to what translation you want to use. The King James Version is tried and true. Um, we know the message it holds. Um, no one argues with this message. We all agree with it. We all believe that it is a good, reputable um, translation. Um, but I do believe there are some other good translations out there that aren't changing anything, that are simply wording them in a much more modern stance. Um, but I will also say this, and this is why I, I bring this up, is because I don't want to lead any any newer Christians astray. Um, there are some bad translations out there. There are some translations that just go way off course and they change a lot of things and take a lot of things out. So I urge you, as a new Christian, please um, do your own studying before you settle on what translation to use. Um, so Romans chapter 4, today we're going to be reading out of the ESV. Um, and that doesn't mean that every day... Or every podcast we're going to read out of the ESV. That just means for this specific one, it's the, it's the version I chose to read from. Um, and so, today we're going to read out of the ESV. So Romans chapter 4, verse 1 says, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. What Paul is saying here is that if Abraham was justified by works... Meaning, if Abraham had followed all 600 laws exactly to the T, and that had earned his way to heaven, he would have something to boast about, but not before God. And the reason is because God is already perfect. God doesn't have to try. He doesn't have to strive. He just is. So he wouldn't be impressed by Abraham's ability to be perfect because God's already perfect. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. That's, that's an important thing to understand. Right here, what's happening is Paul is, is talking to the Jewish leaders in Rome who believe that they have to live by the law and who are accusing Paul of saying that you don't have... They're accusing Paul of saying that um, at the time in one of the earlier chapters, what they're saying is, is that Paul was telling people it was okay to do wrong in order to glorify God, in order to exalt God. And Paul is saying that, no, that's not true. He debunked that in an earlier chapter. And now what he's trying to do is prove... That righteousness comes through faith and not through works. And so he says in verse 4, Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. So listen, verse 3 and 4. Um, let's go back for a second. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. So in verse 3, what he's saying is, he's saying that Abraham was counted as righteous simply because he believed God. Not because of any of the works he did, but simply because he believed God. And in verse 4 he says, If you work all day, then the wage that you get at the end of the day, is that owed to you or is that a gift? 
He's saying, no, your boss owes you your daily wage. He doesn't give them to you. And it's the same thing. He's using it as an illustration. He's saying, listen, he's saying that faith or grace is a completely free gift. Your ability to go to heaven is a completely free gift through your faith in Christ. But what he's saying is if Abraham had to have worked his way there, God would have then owed Abraham his ability to go to heaven. He wouldn't have given it to him. It wouldn't have been faith. Paul clears that up here a little bit. It wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been Abraham's faith. It would have been his due. He would have owed Abraham the ability to go to heaven, which just isn't true. Verse 5. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Paul's saying that to the individual, to the modern Christian who, who does not work, but believes, who doesn't believe that his works are going to get him to heaven, but believes solely in the individual who justifies the ungodly. He's talking about, he's talking about God in Christ here. He's saying that, that you are counted as righteous because of your faith. Verse 6, just as David also speaks of the blessings of the, of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Verse 7, blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Paul is referring to Psalm 32, 1 and 2, um, which is, go over and read that. Um, it's almost a perfect um, reciting of what David said there in Psalm. Um, let's read it again in verse 6. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count a sin. He's saying, listen, I'm already blessed because the Lord's forgiven my sins. And he's not going to count my sins anymore. Verse 9. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. He's saying that, okay, so blessings. So the Lord forgiving sin, the Lord allowing people to go to heaven. Is that blessing simply for the circumcised only or is it for the uncircumcised as well? Because Abraham's faith was counted as righteousness. So listen, you're saying, well, why does he keep bringing this up? Why does he keep asking if you have to be circumcised or uncircumcised? And then reassuring that Abraham's faith was counted as righteousness. You're going to see why. Verse 10, how then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? See, Paul starts to now create a narrative. The whole time Paul's been kind of creating an argument, now he's trying to debunk that argument. He's saying, was it before or after he'd been circumcised? It wasn't after, but before he was circumcised. See, the reason Paul keeps asking this question, the reason Paul keeps asking about whether or not circumcised people or uncircumcised people were able to be counted as righteous and then saying that, but Abraham's faith was counted as righteous. The reason Paul keeps doing this is because he's going to point out the fact that Abraham's righteousness or faith was counted as righteousness before he was ever circumcised. Verse 11, he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. Paul says, listen, the circumcision was a sign of righteousness. The Mosaic law didn't get passed down till Moses, which was centuries after Abraham. And he's saying, listen, Abraham was counted as righteousness, righteous because of his faith. He was then given the seal of circumcision to seal his faith and his righteousness. And God did this for a reason. 
God did, God credited him for his righteousness before he was circumcised. And Paul tells you why. He says the reason was so that Abraham could be the father of both the circumcised and the uncircumcised so that both of them, both of their faith could be counted as righteousness. Because if God had allowed Abraham to get circumcised and then be counted as faithful, Paul's argument would be null and void. There would be no argument he would have here. And it would solely be the circumcised who would be counted as righteous. Verse 12, And to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. He says, listen, Abraham was given uh, righteousness credited to him for his faith before he was circumcised so that he could be the father of the uncircumcised and also the father of the circumcised. But listen to what he says there at the end. He says, also the father of the circumcised. What's the caveat here though? who are not merely circumcised, so who aren't just circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of faith that our forefather had before he was circumcised. So he's saying the uncircumcised and the circumcised who are faithful, who aren't just believing their circumcision is enough. Verse 13, for the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. He's saying that Abraham's Faith was counted as righteousness, and then Abraham got circumcision. After that, he's creating a timeline, and then God promised to make him the heir of the world. It wasn't the other way around. It didn't go circumcision, heir, faith, righteousness. It went faith, righteousness, circumcision, heir of the world. Verse 14, For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be heirs, faith is null, and the promise is void. He's saying that if, only the people who follow the law are heirs, then faith is null. You don't have to be faithful anymore. Your faith is garbage. It means nothing. And the promise is void. The promise of making Abraham the heir of the world no longer means anything. Because that came before the law. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the inherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. He's saying, it depends solely on your faith, and the reason it does is so that the promise that Abraham is heir to the world, that promise might rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, both circumcised and uncircumcised. But not only to the inherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of Saul. So he's saying that the reason, the reason that it had to happen this way was so that the promise of Abraham being heir of the world was rested on grace and on not on Abraham's works alone, so that both Abra so that both the circumcised and the uncircumcised could then be heirs to that promise that God gave to Abraham. For 17. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations, in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. 18. And hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations, as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. What he's saying there is, um, Abraham was told that he was going to be the father of many nations by God, the same person that he believed gave life to the dead 
and cause into existence the things that do not exist. So he's saying that because Abraham believed in God, he was given he was given righteousness because verse 18 in hope he believed against hope meaning that when he was told he was going to have a child as old as he was and with the barrenness of his wife's womb he still had hope in that hopeless time because of his faith in Christ for in the what does it say there at the end of verse 18 why did he have hope against hope it was simply because he was told so shall your offspring be verse 19 he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Meaning, he had hope against hope because the God gave him a promise and he did not even begin to consider to weaken his own faith due to the condition of his own body or his wife Sarah's. He just believed that God would provide. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised, that is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. You see, he says, faith was counted to him to righteousness because in, in spite of all that, he had hope against hope and he never weakened in his faith for any reason. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Verse 23 but the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. He's starting to set up verse or chapter 5 here. He's starting to say, everything that Abraham did was, was garbage. All of his works, all of his, his yearning to get to heaven, all of it was trash. All he did was have faith in God, and that was counted to him as righteousness. And, and listen to what he says at the end. The words, it was counted to him, were not written just for Abraham. Abraham getting his righteousness counted to him through faith was not just for Abraham, but was for all of us. But for ours also, it will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. That's Romans chapter 4. Um, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Listen, I urge you um, that if this is the first podcast you get a hold of, I, I urge you to go back and listen to at least the two previous ones um, to get caught up on what we're talking about currently in the book of Romans. Um, I don't have time to go back every single week and recap what we talked about, um, but that's why the podcasts are up. So just go back and... and um, even if you skip past the front part of me talking and just get the meat of the podcast of what we're talking about in the book of Romans to better understand what we're talking about in each chapter each week. Um, sometimes I do two chapters, like the first episode I did one and two. Um, the second um, episode I did chapter three. This episode I'm just doing chapter four. Um, some episodes I might do two, some I might do three, some of them I might do one. I don't know, just kind of what the Lord lays on my heart. And this week he really just laid on my heart to do chapter four. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to it as we get deeper in the book of Romans. I really love it and enjoy it. And that's why I said I think I'm going to start posting more than once a week, um, just as the Lord lays it on my heart. Um, so genuinely, thank you for listening. Um, please go like our inst- or follow our Instagram, like our post on there, read our devotions as they come out. And please email us at toward underscore the underscore mark 314 um, at gmail.com. 
even if you have prayer requests, we can talk about them here on the on the on the podcast. Um, unspoken ones, anonymous ones, you just anything that you that you want to put in there. Um, if you have a, a good thing that happened that you want to share, we can share those on here as well. Um, and right as the Lord tells me, I have a couple people lined up for interviews, and right as the Lord gives me the green light, I'm, I'm ready to get back out there and start talking to people again about their personal walk with Christ. And so I'm excited for the future of this podcast, um, but it only happens through you guys listening. Um, and so I really, really appreciate you guys doing that. Please keep doing that. And um, hey, thanks for listening, and uh, let's just keep pressing toward the mark.